Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Welcome to The Jump. I'm Rachel Nichols. That's Chinea Gumake, Kendrick Perkins, and those were the Washington Wizards and Mystics players who this morning marked Juneteenth by marching from the arena all the way to the Martin Luther King Memorial. Now, I'm talking here on the show to two Texans, which is, of course, the state where Juneteenth originated. Texas, one of the last places in America to free its slaves. And the proclamation came in Galveston on June 19th. Chinea, what does this day mean to you? It means so much. You know, as a black woman born and raised in Houston, Texas, growing up, my family vacationed in Galveston, Texas often, where finally, as you mentioned, after two years, the proclamation made its news down south. Now, this Juneteenth is a very special one. For the first time in a long time, I think black people are being seen and heard in a way that hopefully can create lasting change because our country really needs healing right now more than ever before. So I would just say that I'm extremely happy that a lot of people are being awakened to this day. I hope it remains a permanent part of our lives to celebrate equality, freedom, opportunity, and most importantly, perseverance. So happy Juneteenth to everyone, especially my fellow Houston native as well, Perk. Hey, Sinead, you starting off preaching on this beautiful day. And listen, I just want to follow up by saying, you're right, this is a special Juneteenth day because of what we're going through in America. So, you know, to everyone out there, not just the African-American community, but to everyone, we need to embrace this day because we're going through a lot in America and then celebrate it to the highest level. Pull out the barbecue pits, pull out the macaroni and cheese and enjoy this day because it is a beautiful holiday. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. A good day for all of us to reflect, to do a little bit more listening, and then work that into your own life as we go forward. All right. As the NBA's return nears, players are beginning to get tested for COVID. (laughs) And like we're already seeing, right, with the NFL, some players who are asymptomatic may be surprised to find themselves testing positive. Here is how it is all going to work, guys. Right now, we're in phase one. So players have started to report back to their home cities. Everybody has to get there by this coming Monday. Players coming from outside the U.S. are required to quarantine for 14 days. They can't go into the practice facility. Phase two, which begins this coming Tuesday, June 23rd, will see players getting tested every other day, as well as the two days prior to when the teams are scheduled to leave for Florida. Now, anyone who tests positive is going to get quarantined for at least 14 days and have to pass not only COVID testing before rejoining the group, but cardiovascular testing as well. So, Perk, do you think there's going to be a stigma around those players who test positive prior to entering the bubble? And and how effective will guys be if they do test positive and have to miss a chunk of training camp? 
Well, that's the thing, Rachel. This is why Adam Silver is so smart and Chris Paul and Michelle Roberts did a great job. When was the last time we ever heard a training camp being three weeks long? They made yeah. it three weeks for a reason. It's because if guys tested positive, give them enough time to quarantine for 14 days and still come back and have, you know, five or six days to be part of camp. Wise idea, great idea by extending training camp. You know, guys probably will test positive. But it was a smart idea by the NBA and the Players Association, uh, in, in, uh, in my opinion, for us them, you know, extending training camp because they did it for this particular reason. I agree, Perk. I think there should not be a stigma attached to the coronavirus, especially given how much our population has it, whether they know it or not. Now you've mentioned giving props to the MBPA. You know, are you in the WNBA, the WMBPA? Since we've had conversations with the doctors who have advised on these protocols, we follow the same MBA protocols. The way we talk about coronavirus is pretty much the same way we talk about an injury when it comes to return to play. So it can happen to anyone. We want to prevent it. And I think it's just one of those things we have to deal with. But we want to prevent it from any player having it, obviously. But we have a specific protocol. So if that player does get it, there's a quarantine period. And then also you mentioned, Perk, it's very important that those players in training camp, if they were to have it then, they still should have their three weeks before they actually hit the court. Well, I do want to shift gears to the WNBA today because Atlanta Dream guard Renee Montgomery has decided she is going to opt out of the 2020 WNBA restart so she can focus on social justice issues. Montgomery, the first WNBA current player to publicly say she won't play since the league and the union announced an agreement that was back on Monday on their proposal to start the season next month in Florida. She tweeted the following yesterday, quote, There's work to be done off the court in so many areas in our community. Social justice reform isn't going to happen overnight, but I do feel that now is the time and moments equal momentum. Let's keep it going. Janae, as a fellow WNBA player, what is your reaction here? We all respect the decision that she made and we support her decision more importantly because, you know, as a part of the union, as I mentioned earlier, we recognize that most players, if not hoopers want to hoop, players want to play. And our job as a union, our contractual job, was to create the best return to play pathway given the unprecedented times that we're in now. And then since we accomplished that, it's now on the individuals to make the decision whether they want to play or not. Now some choose to use the platform of playing to advance social causes while others choose to do so at the single site. I know we like to say single site instead of the bubble, right? Um, (laughs) Right. But either way, the WMA always supports Uh, the voices of the players. We've always been at the forefront of social change. We absolutely understand. I think we're proud as a union to create a scenario where everyone can go and feel comfortable playing if if they so choose. If not, they can do what they want, but it's an individual's decision, and we stand by Renee. Hey, Sinead, listen, Rachel. People always want to say, us men, we always want to walk around on how macho we are. But guess what? I always said this from for a long time. Women are way stronger than men. And here's why. Look, the NBA, the WNBA, Renee Montgomery and Mob Moore, they're not talking about it. They're taking action. And I just wanted to ask Renee, like, how do you feel about that? Because they're leading by example. They're actually walking away from the game of basketball and going to take action. That speaks volumes to me. So I I just wanted to hear how you felt about those two in particular, the way that they're approaching it and how they're actually standing on the front line. 
We are so proud of our WNBA players. If you know, like we always talk about the NBA at the SBs and LeBron James and the social justice he's fought for, um, especially with his I Promise School. But like you said, Perk, I appreciate you, my God. This is why I love Perk. Um, I think it's been really special to see, you know, our fellow, you know, teammates, uh, Maya and Renee, even Natasha Cloud, my sister, you know, representing all players on the union. As WNBA players, I think that's one thing we've noticed by nature being basketball players. And just being women, too, you know, Rachel, women sometimes get neglected in the narrative, in society. And this is not just in work. This is in life. We're still here fighting for justice for Breonna Taylor, right? And I think you'll see WNBA players use the platform of playing to really advance that cause. Say her name. You need to start saying their names because, like Perk said, they've always been about it. Maya Moore, can you imagine a player in their prime, sort of Jordan-esque, leaving to go, you know, fight for the fight that we all care about being uh, that we are a part of the majority of the minority, you know, considering that 80% of the WNBA is black. So yes, this is who we are. This is who we've been. And we're finally, uh, I think society's starting to lean into uh, understanding that WNBA players, this is the best thing that we do. Absolutely. And we have talked to, go ahead. I'm sorry, Rachel. Just from the NBA brotherhood, we applaud the WNBA and we, we applaud y'all for the efforts that y'all put forward and we support y'all 100%. I know I do. I love that. I love that. And today we've talked a lot on this show about the efforts of the WNBA and the women who have been fighting loudly. I mean, this has been a cause in the WNBA for years. And something that players, you know, we talk about, oh, players wore these shirts. Guess what? The women wore the shirts first. All of those kinds of moments. In the the middle of the the WNBA final. Yes. The the women of the WNBA have been loud. They have been out there. They have been putting themselves on the line. And you guys mentioned Maya Moore. That is our Jump Recommends for today. Katie Barnes of ESPNW wrote a beautiful piece on Maya Moore's decision to give up her basketball career to fight for criminal justice reform. Here is a quote from the Mm. piece. When Moore chose to sit out the 2019 season, it was the equivalent of Michael Jordan announcing his retirement in 1993. It was stunning. It was a moment, and she is still making it. I really, really urge everyone to go read the article to find out more. It is so moving. And coming up next on this show, we are celebrating the fourth anniversary of Game 7 of the 2016 Finals between the Cavs and Warriors with a look back on all of the incredible moments from that Sunday afternoon in Oracle Arena, one of the best final Game 7s ever. Keep it locked on The Jump. We'll be right back. The Jump is brought to you by Head & Shoulders. Lift away itch, flakes, and doubt. Stay headstrong. And now here on The Jump, on this date, Game 7 of the 2016 NBA Finals. Take a look. Game 7 of the NBA Finals. This might be once in a lifetime. Leave everything out on the floor. Uh, if we do that, we'll give ourselves a great chance to leave out of here with our dream, all right? Whatever happens, man, it's been a hell of a series. You yes, guys have man. done a great job. Oracle Arena is alive and roaring as we get set for Game 7. Out comes Irving to the foul line, works it on Draymond Green, gets fouled, puts it up, and puts it in! Oh! Kyrie Irving has a chance for the three-point play! There we go, that's how we fight, that's how we fight! Let's keep going hard, alright? Kyrie Irving trying to buy Curry. Kyrie Irving knocks down a three, and the Cavaliers with their largest lead of the night. 
Irving having a huge third quarter. Everybody settle down. It's a six-point game with a quarter and a half left. We're going to get a stop. If you can run, we run. Curry's got it. Curry with a three-eyed three. Bounce pass. Flemington to the rim. Right-hand slam. An entire NBA season coming down to one final quarter to decide a champion. Every time we put into the season, 12 minutes left. Trust your teammates. Trust each other. Curry, crossover, three-pointer. It's good. Left Curry from way downtown. And we're tied again. We've had 20 lead changes and 11 ties. He's got a contest shot, right? He's the foul out of the pack. He's got numbers if he hurries. The Curry, bounce pass, Andre. Just an amazing game. All right, guys, coming up, Kendrick is going to share his thoughts on Kevin Durant. Kevin calling Kendrick a sellout on social media. We will get to that next. But first, a little more on this date. Let's look back on a few more memorable finals moments in today's edition of Distant Replay. Surprised to see John Starks take a three-point shot here. All right, Starks. Rockets do not want to foul. Starks for three, came up short. The game is over, and it will go to a seventh and decisive game on Wednesday. The Rockets went at 86-84. John is thinking three-pointer all the way, harassed by the defensive player in the year. He definitely got ball. The shock who is back and the shot goes down. So the shot. Watch this wonderful catch and finish now by Shaquille O'Neal off the glass. And he looked like he just fell hard to his knee. And the collective breath of Los Angeles takes a deep sigh. Now they have Prince on Ginobili. Hunter on Parker. Here's Ginobili. Oh, they look open for three. Oh, unbelievable. This guy is off the charts. Robert Ory has been around so long, you would think, and with the bum shoulder as well, here he is, I mean, just clutch shot after clutch shot. Uh, it's the old story, the most dangerous guy is the guy out of bounds. 
It could be a routine drive to pick up the kids after school or an epic road trip across the country. No matter where your travels take you, we know those miles count. We're Marathon. We have over 5,700 stations across our great nation. Our people are working hard every day to provide you with quality top-tier gasoline to improve engine performance and fuel your life. Marathon, fueling the American spirit. It's your home speaking, and I need you to do me a couple of favors. First, could you get that blueberry that rolled under the fridge last week? It's throwing my feng shui off. Second thing, bundle your home and car insurance with GEICO. It's easy, and we could save money. Lastly, I know you were thinking of painting the nursery back to off-white, but I'm actually feeling this baby blue. Didn't think it was my color, but I am pulling it off. GEICO. For bundling made easy, go to GEICO.com today. All right, it's crunch time here on The Jump. On this date in 1984, oh, just a little no one, but Hakeem Olajuwon, Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley, and John Stockton were all drafted into the NBA. Perk, is there even another draft class that can compete with the class of 84? Ooh, Rachel, listen, as bad as I want to go with Kobe in that 9-6 class or mm-hmm. my 2003 class with LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and George Truly, Kendrick Perkins, I cannot go against that 84 class. Look, they have an all-time great center, Akeem Olajuwon, all-time great point guard, John Stockton, an all-time great uh, power forward in Charles Barkley, and arguably the greatest player in NBA history, Michael Jordan. Hell, Rachel, all they missing is a small forward. I agree. We're all just caring about number two or number three on this list. And I would just say at number two, <laughs> I have to go with 96. Kobe, mm. Ray Allen, Steve Nash, AI. Ooh. Even like Peja was on that, I think. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. And, and I got to shout out my coach, Derek Fisher, I believe, was a part of that 96 <laughs> class as well. So that's my number well, two. Okay. Any year that gave the NBA Allen Iverson is a good year. That's all I'm saying. Let's move on to Election Day, which falls on November 3rd this year. It's now an official company holiday for both the Minnesota Lynx and Timberwolves. The CEO of both teams released a statement saying, quote, all employees will have the entire day off to be engaged citizens, ensure their voices will be heard. Now, San Francisco 49ers CEO Jed York saw the Minnesota announcement on Twitter, responded by saying he liked the idea so much his team is going to do the same. So, Janae, we've seen some businesses do this as well. Do you expect more franchises to follow suit? I definitely do. I think it's a good step forward for corporate responsibility, ensuring that, you know, their employees have the opportunity to exercise their liberty of voting. A lot of times work sometimes makes it a little bit more difficult, especially for, you know, disadvantaged communities. So to go out of the way to ensure that their employees, you know, can vote, I think it's a good look. All right, Kendrick, before we go, I want to give you the opportunity to respond to your old teammate, Kevin Durant. He wrote on Instagram that he felt you are a sellout. This came in response to you criticizing Kyrie's methods for voicing his concerns about the NBA resuming play. Kendrick, those two words, there's a lot in there. What was your initial response when you read that from Kevin Durant? 
Well, well, Rachel is, is hurtful. As African-American man, to be called a sellout, uh, that means you turned your back on your, on your culture and your community. And that's not what I've done. I've never turned my back on my culture or the African-American community. You know this. I've been on the jump on your show mm-hmm. plenty of times preaching and standing and fighting the fight for Black Lives Matter and social justice and whatever the case may be. So for KD to say that about me was very hurtful. But at the end of the day, you know what? I only could do what I could do and I cleanse my soul and I have no hate towards KD. I still love him as a brother. You know, I did my part in apologizing to Kyrie earlier today on first take for saying you know, calling him with the bird statement but I did my part. My soul is cleansed. The rest is out of my hands. And you've also had some dialogue with Dwight Howard as well, right? Because I know that you were critical of him. What has happened between you and Dwight? Well, what happened was, was Rachel, I, I, I posted our um, clip from the jump yesterday discussing, discussing what Dwight Howard. And uh, I get a call, well, I get a call last night uh, from a 229 number. I answered, and it was Dwight. And we we dove right into the conversation. It wasn't no arguing, but it was a little bit back and forth. But we was talking as real men. And I understand where he's coming from. He was very passionate about what he believed in and what he's standing for, and I was right there with him. But my whole thing, like I told you once before, you got to have a plan, Rachel. You got to have a plan in place, especially when you're trying to go against billionaire owners. Because when you look at them, they have all their ducks in a row. So when you're trying to make a statement as a powerful African-American, as a basketball player, as a whole, you got to be together in order to win that battle. Janae, how are you guys on the WNBA side dealing with that about, look, it's, you have, it, it's easy some way to have 30 owners or in the W, you've got a little bit less, but sort of be on one page. But with the players, you've got hundreds of players. So how, how do you sort of work it so you can be powerful together? I think one thing we've realized overall, whether it's being a basketball player, a part of the WNBA Players Association, division doesn't help any cause. Being united is the most important thing, and especially if you have a voice, as Perk mentioned, using that collective voice with a plan. Like, as athletes, we love strategy. We love game plans. So if you have a group of people that believe a certain thing, you should strategize and then articulate that, and then maybe um, you'll have more success moving forward. Yeah, and look, Michelle Roberts has said at the beginning of this week, what you are hearing right now is not players arguing, it is players discussing I think that there is some real power behind those words. It is great to have these discussions. And then hopefully, as we all move forward, you guys can move forward together. Perk, I really appreciate your candor here. We will see you guys after the weekend. Have a good Friday.